Greetings, fellow investors. I'm Matthew Cochran, a lead advisor at Seven Investing, where it is our mission to empower you to invest in your future. We do that by providing monthly stock recommendations to our premium members and educational content that is freely available to everyone. Listeners, today I am very excited to be joined once again by my fellow co-lead advisor, Anirban Mahanti. Anirban, how are you doing? I'm good. Well, I'm as good as it gets, given the how the markets are. But yeah, I'm good. It's not. It's not been a great market, that is for sure. Uh, for those who don't know, every quarter for almost the last year now, every quarter, Anirban writes a review of the major cloud players, checking in on how Amazon's AWS, Microsoft Azure, and Google Cloud are performing. Uh, this this quarter. He once again wrote a very insightful piece covering these important tech segments, and I thought it would be a great idea to hop on a podcast and get his take on how these uh, cloud cloud uh, performers are performing. I'm along the way. I'll probably chime in with a few of my opinions too. In uh, this piece, a Nearbond's piece is free to everyone. You don't have to be a subscriber. Just go to seveninvesting.com and click on the research tab on top and scroll down to find his cloud computing check-in. I think this is going to be a fun and informative show uh, and one very relevant to investors. So, Nirvan, maybe we can just start there. Why is this so important to investors? Yeah, so, like, you know, we've been talking about the cloud transformation, software companies all going to the cloud, enterprises wanting to go digital, move to the cloud. And this has been a, you know, it's been a long journey, but it's a steady, slow journey uh, that we have been on. And often what happens is people think that, you know, we've been talking about cloud computing for maybe like a decade. Is it over? What innings of the game are we in? And so on and so forth. So what I thought is one of the ways to sort of get a check-in and understand what's happening in cloud computing is to look at the infrastructure players. And, and by that, what I mean is these are the companies that are building the data centers and regions and the software tools and all the other libraries that you need to deploy software on the cloud, right? And, and the big three are, in this case, Amazon Web Services, Microsoft Azure, and Google Cloud Computing Platform. So looking at how those guys are performing gives us sort of a window to the entire industry, tells us, you know, if you look at their growth rates and sort of tells you what you can expect, people who work on top of it, people who are serving on top of it, how they're performing, right? And it's not just about cloud computing companies. Even, you know, if you think about Netflix, for example, its streaming runs on cloud platforms. So a lot of stuff actually runs on the cloud platforms. It's a, it's an indicator. It's a window to the digital world. It's a huge, huge growing part of the economy, right? And I can't, right here, if you're watching on YouTube right now, we're showing a headline from Gartner, uh, the uh, global IT like uh, specialists and researchers and consulting firm, and they forecast that worldwide uh, public cloud end user spending to reach nearly six hundred billion dollars in twenty twenty three. Uh, that would be a like about a twenty percent increase from twenty twenty two's total. So this is a huge industry. Uh, you know, a quote from uh, Gartner's vice president analyst uh, Sid Vatnag. He said, current inflationary pressures and macroeconomic conditions are having a push, push and pull effect on cloud spending. Cloud computing will continue to be a bastion of safety and innovation, supporting growth during uncertain times due to its agile, elastic, and scalable nature. 
Absolutely. So I think, you know, that's an interesting comment there. Like you want to uh, move and use more efficient technologies during inflationary times. Technology by definition is deflationary. You want to move away from having your own on, uh, you know, on-prem infrastructure. It's costing you money and you're buying all this equipment and, you know, provisioning for data centers moving to the cloud. That's advantageous to you. At the same time, you know, um, as uh, he indicated, it's elastic in the sense that you can control how much you're using. So if there's a usage-based price, you could actually reduce your usage if necessary, right? And therefore reduce how much you're spending. So it's it's a, uh, and of course, everybody loves going from uh, sort of, you know, you know, uh, CapEx, which is investing in, in computers and data centers to OPEX, which is, you know, operating costs, uh, for running in the cloud, comes you know when you're you're using cloud infrastructure, you're basically having operating costs. So somebody else takes the capex for that, which is these big guys. They're spending the capex, and they and their game is let's get lots and lots of people to use our infrastructure. Then we can amortize our costs across all these people, and and build scale because you really need scale in in cloud. So that's the story for the cloud infrastructure players has really been about scale. You know, building a large scale so that you can drive down costs, making it easy for providers to run their applications on top of it. Absolutely. So how about we'll just take this from smallest to biggest. So let's start with Alphabet. Now, Anirban, we recently did a podcast when we talked about just like the overall quarter for Alphabet. And you, when we brought up Google Cloud, uh, you said that might have been the brightest spot for the core, the quarter. You know, uh, Google Cloud segment revenues were six point nine billion dollars. That's up thirty eight percent year over year. Why was this such a a great result for Alphabet? Well, well. So first of all, like you know, among all these segment results, this is the result that actually did not go backwards. <laughs> so <laughs> in the sense. You know, you know, as I as I said in that podcast too, I thought you know Alphabet's results looked bad, but they were not really that bad. The comparisons were hard. The economy is difficult, and all this. But you know, unlike what people would expect, like you know, during hard economic times, even you'd expect some slowdown in cloud. But that was not the case for Google Cloud. Google Cloud actually grew nicely. There was a bit of an acceleration versus its previous quarters, right? Which is which is what I was alluding to, saying it's the bright spot. The the growth rate actually went up. Uh, which at its scale is pretty interesting and pretty phenomenal um, in my mind. Now, the, the thing to remind, uh, yeah, so you have a chart there, a beautiful chart there that shows the Google cloud revenues and their operating income. Uh, so it's, it's still operating losses. It's going down. It's negative. It was about nearly $700 million of loss, uh, but it's just a beautiful curve going up and to the right. One thing I want to clarify that when we talk about Google cloud platform or Google cloud revenues, it is not just Google Cloud Platform. It's got, you know, it's other cloud services in it. So there's workspaces and things like, uh, um, you, know, the, you know, Google Doc and all of those things. People are using Google emails that businesses use and things like that. All of those are included. So you sort of kind of had to estimate how much is actually purely Google Cloud uh, Platform, GCP, you know, I've roughly estimated this to be somewhere between, you know, 70, 80%, roughly, you know, it's, 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 uh, again, it's a guess because I would think that's the bigger business versus their workspace uh, business that puts this on a roughly around $20 billion annual run rate, right? So you think about it this way, the way I think about it, the way I think this is phenomenal. So $20 billion run rate business still losing money, but I think that, that the reason it's losing money is entirely by choice, 
like they're just trying to get more and more share, doing the investments that they need to build the scale to you know and compete with the others, which is Azure and um, AWS and Amazon Web Services. But twenty billion dollar run rate, growing it, you know, north of thirty five percent, that is pretty pretty significant. So I, I thought it's it's great. The one salient point. Let me, let me yeah, ask you yes, a question please. about this. So like. If you're an Alphabet shareholder, as as I am, and I, I believe you you are too, uh, you know, as shareholders, obviously, when we buy shares in Alphabet, we're not just buying Google Cloud, we're not just buying search, you know, you're buying the whole thing. When can shareholders expect this to be instead of being a headwind for earnings and a headwind for profits, and to to, to be a tailwind instead? When will this? When do you think this is going to like, you know, when is Google going to flip the switch on this where we can actually start seeing profits? Yeah, that's the million dollar question or the billion dollar question. Uh, you know, I think I think if they wanted to, they could be profitable right now. That's my take. Like, I mean, it's it's basically they need to turn that, you know, minus 700 million to zero, which I think they could take some costs out and so on. But I would think that they would let this grow for some more time. Maybe, you know, you're probably looking at a couple of years, it'd be my guess, before you can start seeing profitability here. Um, but they're just trying to grow the scale. And you know, look, all of Alphabet's other assets are just equally powerful, right? I mean, there's nothing like Google Search, YouTube is a, again, there's nothing like YouTube, if I think about the platform. So those two platforms are, and then Android, right? So those three platforms are unique, uh, you know, in, in many ways, uh, two of them are actually monopolies. <laughs> if you want to think about monopolies, right. you know, there are two of them are monopolies. YouTube maybe is not a monopoly anymore with uh, with uh, TikTok and the short videos and things like that. But I mean, you know, it's a pretty- One or four videos, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty close. It's, pretty it's close. a pretty close monopoly. Yeah. Pretty close. So if you want to watch videos for free, that's pretty close monopoly. So it's a monopoly business, uh, which is still growing at a healthy clip, which is basically selling at a very good price. So I think, you know, you know, you get these opportunities on companies like Alphabet when uh, the the strong economic headwinds and, uh, you know, pressures on earnings, right? But otherwise I thought like all around, I think it was good, but Google Cloud was definitely a bright spot, growing really well and competing really well against the other two behemoths. Yeah, and I like what the CEO said. I'm just going to read a, a short quote here. And it's a, a recurring theme we're going to see as we go through these companies. He goes, I've long shared that cloud is a key priority for the company. The long-term trends that are driving cloud adoption continue to play an even stronger role during uncertain macroeconomic times. Google Cloud helps customers solve today's business challenges, improve productivity, reduce costs, and unlock new growth engines. And that's something we're going to see like all these companies are going to, you know, they... They keep reiterating, like during uncertain uh, economic times, like that's actually a long-term boon for the cloud, even though it might produce some short headwinds. Uh, it, long-term, yes. it's good because, you know, it's turning a fixed cost that companies have into a variable cost. Yeah, it's a fixed cost into a variable cost. It's also making companies more efficient and it's also extremely sticky. Once you move to the cloud, you're going to stay there. So... You know, and in the short term, we might see some headwinds and we lots of cloud companies and the valuations have compressed and all of these things because of the interest rates. But I mean, the fundamentals of many of these businesses haven't been, you know, look really strong and the valuations just make them really interesting. But, and, and you know, so the last thing I wanted to say is that, you know, another way to look and think about Google Cloud's progress is to look at remaining performance obligations, which is basically committed contracts. How much how much dollar figures have customers committed 
to spending with Google uh, cloud platforms over time. That number stood at about 50 some billion dollars, 52.4 billion dollars to be more specific. That's an increase of 41% year over year, okay? So again, those, those dollars are gonna be recognized over time. That's just an indication of how much money is coming into cloud. So, you know, when Google's, uh, you know, cloud CEO uh, sees that number, he says, well, you know, there's absolutely no reason to slow down the push for growth, right? You can, you're locking in $50 billion of contracts. You want to lock in the next 50 billion as well. So you are going to be working hard and they know they're sticky, right? So once you've got those people in on the platform, they're going to continue spending probably for decades. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's uh, move on. And so next up is Microsoft Azure. Microsoft mm-hmm. Cloud now, before I'm going to say, I'm going to read off the numbers, but like I have a quick, you know, and as a Microsoft shareholder, like I, I always have this problem with Microsoft. They, they have very nebulous categories sometimes. Like they have three business segments, but then they'll say cloud revenue grew this much. And that's not in any segment. That's just kind of across segments. They just like categorize certain things as cloud and certain things as not. But Microsoft Cloud Revenue and the first quarter of 2023, that's their fiscal quarter they're in, it was uh, basically $26 billion. That's up 24% year over year. Uh, they said, uh, you know, uh, on a constant currency basis, like foreign uh, foreign exchange rates were like a definite headwind. Growth was 31%. Azure and other cloud cur- uh, services revenue grew 35%. That's 42% in constant currency. So we saw like, uh, you know, Azure is still growing super fast in like, $25 billion. That's, that's real money in your bond. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, I, I don't click on that. So the, the, so Microsoft, for example, reports intelligent cloud, but that's not all of the cloud. It's very difficult to figure out where things sit. So you have to look at their disclosures during the earnings call, which is where our numbers come from. Um, the, so yes, Azure grew at 35% and the overall Microsoft cloud bucket grew at a pretty slow uh, you know, it's slower than usual rate. That growth rate has been slowing down over the past few quarters. And 35% is also, I think, slower than it was before. It was, it, was, it was ticking at 40. But yes, what we need to remember is that this is a significantly larger business, for example, compared to GCP, right? right. Um, and, and, and the way I sort of think about this is uh, because of the way they sort of categorize everything cloud. So for example, uh, Microsoft's uh, Office Suite would also be part of that cloud revenue, right? So I sort of, when, when Nadella goes, you know, 25 billion, I sort of say, okay, maybe 60%, 70% of that is actually Azure. Um, so, you know, that's a pretty significant run rate, about 60 billion plus annual run rate, even if it's growing at 25, 26%. And again, there's a foreign exchange uh, headwind was pretty strong, that's pretty significant and you just get the scale. It's pretty phenomenal. Um, I do not talk about the remaining uh, performance obligations for Microsoft because it will have a, a lot of remaining performance obligations from its other sort of non-Azure related services, right? So things like, you know, Office and so on and so forth. Uh, the, so, you know, I think it's very difficult to make a head, heads-to-heads sort of, you know, apples-to-apples comparison. But again, pretty phenomenal, although the growth rates have slowed down. And the, I think the other caveat or if you want to compare the two the thing to remember is while the google cloud revenue is at 38 percent gcp's revenue always grows at a much higher rate than overall google cloud so probably google uh, 
cloud is actually growing probably north of 40%, right? Whereas this one is probably growing north of maybe 35%, right? So again, five percentage points, but again, this is significantly bigger scale. So that's right. something to keep in mind. And so this is something we're going to really touch on with AWS too, but like, uh, you know, on the conference call, they were asked uh, like, hey, uh, Azure missed estimates by a, a percentage point. Like, like what's going on here? And this is second quarter in a row. It's missed estimates by each time, just a percentage point or two. So not much, but they, they asked what's going on here. And they said, hey, you know, we're, we're proactively helping customers optimize their spending. And they, they go, that's the right thing for us to do as a company on behalf of our customers and our shareholders long-term. Like, you know, basically I think they're saying like, look, we've advertised cloud spending um, as being cheaper and more efficient for businesses for a long time. And now that we're seeing a first real downturn, uh, you know, in the, in the last decade, uh, well, I, you know, there's obviously COVID, but like, uh, you know, what, one of our first real downturns we've seen in this last decade, we, we got to live up to that building, uh, billing, and we have to optimize their workloads. Like uh, where, I have a quote from Sadia Nadella here. He goes, our job number one for large swaths of our uh, customer-facing organizations is to proactively help them optimize. In fact, our incentives and our customer success team are lined up with them helping customers to, quote, do more with less, end quote. Absolutely. And that's the right thing to do, right? Because you know that things are sticky. Once they come to the cloud, they're exactly. going to be here with you. They're going to increase spending over time. Be, you want to you see the good business people would realize that for you to succeed, you need your customers to succeed. You, if you just, you know, if you, if you squeeze the lemon too hard, the customer dies. That's actually not a good thing, right? So you want your customers to succeed. And I think they're doing the right thing, you know, ensuring customer success uh, is, is the right thing. Uh, again, it's phenomenal where this business has come from and where it is going. And it's, again, a, a great indicator of sort of how strong the cloud is, right, overall. And let me, so like, while I have you, let me ask you, because, okay, again, I'm a Microsoft shareholder. I'm always reading their conference calls. And a lot of times, like these companies, they'll, they'll say things that, that sound great to me, but like, I really don't know how to like filter it. Um, so I want to, I want to run two things by you. One uh, on the conference call, they called out how like they are like the, the cloud of choice or whatever uh, for companies running SAP workloads on the cloud. And they threw out Volvo as an example. And then they go, they're the only cloud provider with direct and secure access to Oracle databases running an Oracle cloud infrastructure, making it possible for companies to use capabilities from both. And like as examples for that, they threw out FedEx and Marriott. How big is that kind of, I don't know if you want to call it interoperability or that like uh, cohesion between the two, the two platforms. How big is that? Is that a big deal? I think it's a big deal. I mean, look, I think increasingly people want to be multi-cloud. So allowing interoperability, having direct connectivity so that, you know, you can reduce costs, reduce uh, latency, make things fast and faster, cheaper, better, I think is, is no doubt a feature. And nobody, I think, unlike, nobody wants to be locked as, as a customer. You don't want to be locked only onto AWS or Microsoft or GCP. You know, you, it's, 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 you know, even just from simple fault tolerance point of view, you want to be multi-cloud, um, you know, and, and that, the other reason for that is there are certain things that are good with one cloud provider, certain with another, and you want to use the best of each, right? And sometimes you want to use 
you know, other tools and services that run on top of them. And some things might be better somewhere else. And you just want to have that ability. So I think that's a, that's, that's a good feature to have. And then, you know, with respect to something that you were saying earlier about missing estimates, like, look, the, my, my thing with estimates is if, um, you know, the, the company didn't miss the estimates, it's the analysts who missed the estimates because they made the wrong prediction. If the company gave the guidance and then missed it, that's a different story altogether. I think it was their guidance, but I'm not positive on that. Uh, don't quote me on yeah. that. I'm not, I think it was so, they missed their guidance by a percentage point, but I'm not sure. Okay. So if they missed then you know, okay, they're doing a bad job of forecasting and then, you know, the CFO <laughs> needs to have a, a bigger look. But if somebody else is making the, you know, estimates, then it's not, it's neither here nor there. Foreign exchange, uh, the number of conference calls I've read. So for example, ServiceNow's conference call, the foreign exchange headwind is phenomenal right now with the USD strengthening. So, you know, it was like 600, 600 700 basis points on ServiceNow. It's crazy. Uh, you know, next quarter, Apple is saying it's it's uh, it's it's like a thousand basis points is your foreign exchange headwind. That's just phenomenal. So it's those are real problems that these companies have. But these things again are cycles, right? I mean, at at some point in time, the headwind will, will go away. It'll become a tailwind. Of course, of course. And I, and I don't know about you, but my overall philosophy when a company misses estimates or guidance by a percentage point or two. I mean, anything in the low single digits, to be honest with you, that to me is, you know, that's, that's yeah. just not important to me, to be honest. Like I just, you know, well, a couple of, yeah, it, yeah. they start missing like over 5% or the high single digits and 10%. Okay. Now we can talk. There's something's going on, but when you miss by a percentage point, like it, to me, it, yeah. it's, 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 uh, you know, it's a non-starter. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The, the only thing I criticize companies for is serial offenders. If you're serially like, you just keep missing. <laughs> every quarter that's just bad does this mean well, right you don't want to miss every quarter sure yeah that means yeah. that means you're you're, you're uh, there are some companies <laughs> that have done that which which i think is is a problem which basically just shows very poor planning from the finance department sure sure all right well uh let's move on to the the grandfather the og of cloud services aws AWS net sales increased to $20.5 billion. That was up 28% year over year. That's excluding the impact of Ford Exchange. And that's now representing an annualized sales run rate of $82 billion. And Irvine, how's yes. AWS doing? AWS has been phenomenal. I mean, AWS in many ways is the bright spot for Amazon, right? It's where the profits oh, yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> it's where all the profits are. So, uh, it was, it, was, it was a solid result. The thing to note with AWS, though, it's been, there's been a steady deceleration in its growth rate. So it decelerated from 23% year-over-year growth in Q2 to, which was, and then that was a deceleration from 37%. So they, I think, are seeing some significant, I think, macro impacts and, you know, usage-based impacts and things like that. Um, but this is a nicely profitable business. Uh, but again, here too, I think, and you know, in a typical Amazonian fashion, there's a lot more expenditure going on than 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 meets the eye in, in many ways, and therefore operating profits are only up like what 11 percent versus the the revenue being up twenty seven. So they're not, you know, the sort of there's operating deleverage going on right now, but Amazon has these 
cycle studies goes through where it makes, you know, half of its capex probably is data centers and things like that. Uh, you know, the remainder is probably, you know, warehouses and things like this. So, yeah, yeah. So the bottom line numbers I thought were not that great given that, you know, at this scale, I would think that they would consistently deliver uh, operating profit at a nice, you know, 25% margin or so, 30% margin or so. Uh, but again, at that scale, it was phenomenal. The the other way to think about it is the longevity of the platform and the future potential of the platform, that remaining performance obligation that I talked about, Alphabet was about 54. These guys are 100 plus billion, right? And that was up. Uh, some phenomenal number, like 50, 50% plus. So I was actually higher up year over year and higher. And I'm just trying to look up that number if I can find it. Um, yeah, 104 billion in Q3, up 57% year over year. So yes, that's going to be recognized in you know multiple right. years over the future. But again, if you're the leader of AWS and you see that kind of number, you kind of want to invest into the future and you kind of want to make sure that, you know, you have the best data centers and the best infrastructure and best everything so that you can keep getting those dollars in through the door, uh, right? And then locking in those dollars here. Um, so again, I, I thought overall pretty significant. Yeah. And so, uh, the, you know, they're talking about the growth rates and the slower growth rate, they're talking about like the margins. So let me read you a quote and I'll let you respond to it. Um, this is their their CFO talking. He goes, your, your first question about cost optimization. He goes, first, there are some industries that have lower demand that's showing up in our volumes as probably like other companies as well. Things like financial services, the mortgage business being down, cryptocurrencies have been down. And he goes, we're very strong in some of those industries. So that's part of it. But basically what we see is customers are looking to save money versus their committed spend. We have options for them to do that. They can manage workloads better. They can switch to lower cost products that have different performance profiles. They can switch to Graviton chips that have higher cost performance ratios. So all really good things for the customer and for Amazon long-term. Yeah, so it, what is interesting is that the comments basically seem like it came out of Satya Nadella's mouth, right? Well, what, like the, 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 <laughs> the similarities in the two conference calls uh, you know, yes. they're obviously both seeing the same things out there and trying to help their yeah. customers navigate this yeah. macroeconomic, you know, environment where, you know, yeah. there's softening. It definitely appears there's softening consumer demand. There's softening enterprise demand. Absolutely. And but I think that they're doing the right thing by the customer, I think, is is what ensures long term health of the business and long term shareholder returns. They know this. They've been at this for many, many years. So, uh, yeah, like I don't, I think that's the right thing to do and they're doing the right thing. And again, to me, when I look at these three results, I just say that, well, cloud is just fine. And, you know, there's a lot of valuation compression, but, you know, the sort of class, uh, you know, class leading cloud software companies should do really well because this sort of is basically indicative of the underlying uh, you know, potential growth because this is sort of the underlying infrastructure for those sort of things. Sure. And another thing uh, they talk about a lot on their conference calls and in the past too, and something like I, again, let me ask you while I have you, right? Because these are things I read when I go through the conference calls and it sounds great to me, but I always wish I had a better filter for these things. Uh, a very quick quote from the CFO, the breadth and depth of our service offerings enable us to help them uh, like their customers do things like move storage to lower price tier options and shift workloads to our Graviton chips. 
Okay, so the Graviton 3 processors, they say, deliver uh, 40% better price performance than comparable x86-based instances. How how big of a deal is Amazon's chip-making processes here? How big of a deal are their Graviton chips that they constantly talk about? Yeah, so I think it's a big deal. I am not, like, it's a big deal in the sense that if you can get, so, so let me backtrack. If... In many ways, Intel has dropped the ball on being the leading edge of stuff, right? And, you know, I think it started with their basically failure in mobile, right? So they failed stuff in mobile, basically ARM technologies took up. And then, I mean, as I like to say, the, the, the best uh, chip design company today is not Intel, it's Apple. Right. <laughs> they are the leading edge chip designing company because they design the best chips, uh, and then they get produced by other companies like TMC, uh, in our Taiwan Semi or Samsung or so, something like that, that they're all ARM based. So that's something that other companies have also picked up on. So that's not just, uh, you know, see, Apple probably was the, the lead, uh, you know, Husky in that game. You know, it was one of the first ones to sort of build an internal team and work really hard on it. But everyone is now on that bandwagon trying to do more with it. It makes sense because you can get more performance out of it. And ultimately, at the infrastructure layer, there's a lot of competition in many ways. You can't, you can't really have, you don't really have supreme pricing power in that sense, right? Because if you price twice as much as a zero, people are not going to come to you, right? So you have to compete at scale at the lowest possible pricing point and then offer things like multi-cloud so that people are going to, you know, divvy up their workloads across different things. Maybe you have certain platform services that you offer on top of it that is what is bringing people to you know maybe you have some ai capabilities ml capabilities maybe some data processing capabilities that some certain applications want from certain cloud providers right so i think that's very important to keep leading but what i like to say is that they're not and i'm not fully across of what microsoft is doing on that front but they're not the only one because google is doing the same thing right so the you know designing your own chips that have better price performance or whatever sort of optimization you want to do is a game that other people are playing as well. And uh, yeah. So let me ask you a question in your bond. Let's say hypothetically, we could spin out Google cloud, we could spin out AWS and we could spin out Microsoft Azure and you can invest in one of those companies. Who would it be and why? So, uh, so the thing is that I would like to know, well, okay, the answer to that would depend on, it depends on what valuations they trade on in the market, right? Sure, so, if, if, so let's yeah. say, let's assume whatever valuation metric you want to use, and I guess it would have to be based on sales because Google Cloud doesn't make a profit, but let's assume, so, so let's say like a, it would be like a price, they would all have the same price to sales ratio, I guess. Uh, which I, you know, so let's, I guess we, let's start there as, you know, being on equal footing with valuation. Yeah. So in that case, like, you know, it depends if I, if I want to, so it's a hard one to answer because probably they would not all have the same multiple. Then you could choose based on the multiple. If they all have the same multiple, then I would pick the most profitable one, which would be AWS. Right. Um, my guess is AWS is more profitable than Azure, but I don't know. If Azure turns out to be more profitable and available for a cheaper price, then I would pick Azure. Uh, that would be the logic for investing uh, investing in one of them if they if they were at the same multiple, right? Um, largely because I think you know scale gives them a significant advantage here 
in terms of being able to sort of amortize costs and things like that, that you know, and so, yeah, that will be, you know, I'd probably pick AWS over the others at the same valuation. Right, right. Okay, so let me ask you one more question. These are, these are the biggest, uh, you know, at least US, the big three cloud platforms. Is there anyone else out there uh, that could possibly like make it a big four? Is there anyone else there that could be a competitor on, on relatively equal footing with these three? Or is this like, yeah. is this locked in as an oligop- oligopoly with like, you know, just these three companies at top? Yeah, so in a way, it, it helps to go back a few years and say that, you know, if you, if you went back three, four, five years, then three years maybe, Google Cloud was actually really small at that time, right? So it came from behind and has made a significant position for itself as number three. The company, you know, one company that you and I have talked about is Oracle. So Oracle's cloud infrastructure business has been growing really quickly. It's just a shy under a billion dollars runway uh, right now per quarter. It grew like some 50, 60%. And if you, I think, excluded the uh, 50 some percent, um, and if you excluded hosting services out of it, so you just focus pure on the pure infrastructure side. And it actually grew at like what, something like 70%, I think, some huge number. Um, infrastructure services grew 70%. That is a phenomenal number. So that, you know, that can compound pretty quickly if they can do that. Uh, and Oracle's claim is that they being late to the game allows them to develop better data centers, uh, you know, more modern, they can have a modern technology stack. The other claim is that they are probably the, among the few companies that have enterprise at scale cloud services that they're running on their own. So they're basically talking about, uh, you know, cloud databases like um, Oracle databases. And therefore the experience of running that on their own infrastructure, I mean, they need an infrastructure anyways for running. So it's like, you know, doubling down. So, you know, you may, you build the infrastructure that works for you and then you sort of, you know, can sell infrastructure services on top of it. That's the claim that they have. So there is a potential for that to emerge as a number four. I mean, there's a lot of jostling going on in number four, right? So there's IBM, there's these guys, there's many of the Chinese players, not big players in the US market, but they are internationally in many places. Although I don't know what's going on with, there's a lot of geopolitical issues there. But Alibaba, for example, has been a big, uh, big, uh, you know, sort of, you know, can I become the number four in, in this place? So I think Oracle would be something that we should watch. Um, they've got a presence across multiple regions, largely because of the data uh, of the database presence. They have strong links inside government, uh, which is another big spender in this area. Uh, so, uh, and they have strong links in enterprise from their past, you know, their history in, in databases. So, they they can actually be a pretty quick grower. So, it'll be something to watch, and they can you know emerge as a number four. Um, Right. And, and I think in a multi-cloud sort of environment, you know, multiple players can win. Uh, the thing to watch, though, would be is our infrastructure services going to further see pressure on margin because of more competition. Sure. You know, one thing, well, I guess a couple of things about Oracle. One, uh, you know, they don't have any, okay, you haven't seen this too much with Microsoft yet, but Microsoft, Amazon, and Google are just so big. They're just naturally going to attract regulatory pressure right like the ftc like amazon wanted to buy irobot you know if amazon sneezes like they basically have to get the ftc approval right to do anything uh you know and, and same thing with alphabet microsoft we haven't seen that too much so we'll, we'll see if this activision blizzard 
uh, acquisition goes through, which I think it should for the record. Uh, but you know, you, you, you do, it is attracting some scrutiny Oracle, even though it's a huge market cap, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't attract the same amount of attention. Um, you know, and it just, uh, you know, this summer it finalized a cert, it's Cerner acquisition. It was $28 billion in all cash deal. And Cerner is this uh, leading provider of digital information systems used within like hospitals to enable like doctors and medical professionals to just deliver better healthcare, right? To patients. And, and it said, uh, Oracle said Cerner, when they made the acquisition, they said Cerner is going to be the company's anchor asset to expand into healthcare. And it's expected that the acquisition should help Oracle scale up its cloud business in the hospital and health systems market, which makes sense. I mean, that's a huge acquisition. Cerner was a huge company and big player in that market. Um, you know, if it can make a few acquisitions like that, and it has a, I haven't looked at it lately, but I believe it has a pretty cash rich balance sheet. Um, you know, it certainly has high margins. You just wonder, like, it might be able to catch up even quicker uh, than like, you know, Google Cloud could catch up to like Microsoft and, and Amazon, for instance, because it can make acquisitions like that. Yeah, I'd say I agree with you. Yeah, it's a free, free cash flow rich company. So, you know, the, the cash keeps building from its, uh, you know, database cash cow. So yeah, I agree with you. It's something to definitely watch is, you know, I didn't add it this quarter, but I'm going to definitely add uh, Oracle to my watch, you know, cloud check-in watch list right. for next quarter. The reason I didn't add it is I hadn't looked very closely at what IBM is reporting for infrastructure. And, you know, it could turn out that a multiple of them are sort of at that $1 billion run rate, all fighting with each other. So I just wanted to make double double show, but it did, you know, it, it did catch my eye that, you know, it's pretty phenomenal growth rate at, at a billion dollar run rate. Now, the other thing I wonder, and so forgive me, I, I don't know Oracle as well as I do the other companies we discussed, but um, like, I, I do wonder, is their cloud business just cannibalizing their like existing legacy business, right? With like their on-premise databases and servers and all that stuff. Is it just a matter of, like, is cloud just growing so fast because they're just moving people over to the cloud, like existing customers, or is it actually like new business for them, I guess? Yeah, so I think there's a combination of that happening, like both. Right. So like people are using their infrastructure because, you know, they could, you know, they could force people's hand by saying, well, you know, you can get the best instance of uh, Oracle Cloud only if you run it <laughs> or, you know, Oracle's cloud database only if you run it on Oracle infrastructure, for example. Right. So that sort of thing is possible. Um, but I think they have been winning some interesting customers. They had NVIDIA, for example, as a list of customers. So I would think that they, Zoom, for example, uses uh, Oracle's cloud infrastructure. Uh, so I would think that they are winning enough infrastructure deals, whether it's because of pricing, because of multi-cloud, because of whatever reasons, because of people's affinity towards uh, Oracle from their, you know, their database link links. But it seems like, you know, it's hard to make up all of those numbers by just, you know, getting migration to happen. That's a great way to uh, wrap it up. A good summary. Uh, again, uh, a Nearbond com cloud computing co cloud computing check-in is available for everyone. It's not just for members. You can go to seveninvesting.com. You can click on the research tab and just scroll down. Uh, I think we we released it October 31st, the last day of the quarter. You should definitely check that out. Uh, again, for my co-host, Anirban Mahanti, I'm Matthew Cochran. We're both lead advisors at Seven Investing. 
where it is our mission to empower you to invest in your future. Have a great day, everyone. A reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. Before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult a financial or tax professional.